0: hi hi what's up not much want to talk about some problematic romantic shit yeah let's do it let's go
1: welcome to shipwreck i just spilled coffee on me so the (laughs) name is very apropos
0: (laughs) (laughs) backup name was welcome to the shit show.
1: Yeah, pretty much. This is a a podcast where we go kind of week by week. Well, it is week by week, but we we go through kind of the things we're learning and the things we've learned um, and
0: are practicing
1: and are practicing and we share them with you guys with Um, relationship stuff. Yeah, specifically relationship stuff
0: and self development, self betterment, Uh self progression.
1: Are there any of those What's terms? Term? Are there any of those terms that you don't like because they're overused?
0: Uh, like, does self care bother mm-hmm. you? Self care doesn't bother me. Self improvement helps me, or, or hurts my ear a little bit because it makes me. The word improvement makes me sound like I'm not good enough to, like, hey, get better. Right.
1: It makes me think of home improvement, which probably pisses you off even more because it's sure. Tim Allen, well, and we all yeah. we all know he's your sworn enemy. <laughs>
0: I made that happen somehow. I don't yeah. know. You did a great um, job. One joke gone awry. I said a little bit too strongly.
1: I would love for you to start a Twitter war with him, but he doesn't engage.
0: Does, I mean, he's like, who is this person with 300 think, followers? I'm so confused. I think that just makes you a troll <laughs> if he
1: doesn't engage.
0: Um, My face is the egg. It's the egg picture, <laughs> and I'm just... And I'm like, go to therapy, Tim Allen.
1: Um, But yeah, there there's terms in there. I ha- I hate when something is so good it gets overused which is inherently a good thing cuz it means people are talking about it but then it it flips to the other side where it has negative connotations yeah um like self-care like cuz people start taking that and mean like self-care is anything and then it kind of takes the I, the I weight have, out of it
0: okay so i have one of those now and i i learned it by doing uh by taking that trauma informed little thing and it's the the term like play the victim or Mm. victim mindset or victim because here's victim is a valid label like if you are a victim of trauma you are a like there there needs to but there's a negative connotation of like playing the victim or like pulling the victim card or where it's victim is seen as a negative thing so we're like re-victimizing the victim by being like you're acting like a victim. Of course you're acting like a victim because you're a victim. Yeah. And so when people say that, it, it makes it seem like
1: you're you're choosing yes to be a victim yes. on purpose instead of like no, you've made me. You yes. can't be a victim on your own. Yes. Somebody has to make you one. So the
0: whole like playing the victim thing is uh, that's been a, yeah. a new revelation to me. Of yeah, we need to stop doing that. Yeah. That's not helpful. Yeah. For making people feel bad for being a victim and going to like, I understand that it's, it's supposed to be empowering people that is not empowering victims no. to get better. Yeah. That's <laughs> or a like, good point. Like do better. Like stop. There, yeah.
1: There's a thing with, um, which it happened a lot during the election of 2016. Um, what other election is there? Uh, but the, the whole thing of like trip being triggered, I hate that. Like so quickly, that was like a, a term a like a therapy term that, that, went viral like everybody talked about being triggered Mm -hmm. and and uh i loved it immediately because i was like that is exactly what it is it's like it's like you you're overreacting to a thing because of something that's happened in your past Mm -hmm. um and then it it, and then it got co-opted and turned into this thing where it just meant that you were weak yes but we all and i hate that it's it's like we got a thing and immediately got if you use it you you get eye-rolled And I'm like, I hate that because we we are all triggered by things because of past trauma or experience or um, abuse or whatever it might be. And people's triggers are valid. So I hate it. I hate that that term. I have to like... I feel like I have to be careful about how I use that term against because they'll immediately stop listening to me. Mm -hmm. If I say, yeah, that thing triggered me. I've said it before in mixed company, and I've had people just immediately be like, oh, gosh. Mm -hmm. All right, snowflake. Yeah. And I'm like, no, we're allowed to. Snowflakes.
0: Remember when snowflakes were beautiful things?
1: They are. It still are. And
0: now it just means that you're Overly sensitive.
1: (laughs) You're choosing, once again, choosing to be the victim. You're choosing to be like overly sensitive. What ever do to you? Yeah. It was just beautiful and white. Yeah. I like, I like, I'm happy to be a snowflake because it means that I'm in touch with my feelings. And white. Yeah. <laughs> proud to be, wait a second. <laughs> you led me into this. Okay. Last week we talked about boundaries um, on maybe, I'll say it, my favorite episode that we yeah, did via Zoom. Um, no, you don't. Let me finish.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's my favorite episode we've done on Zoom so uh-huh. far. No, it was really good. And I, I very much enjoyed uh, doing that episode because boundaries has been a huge part of our learning experience and our self improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, is that the term you don't like? What's the term you like? It's fine. Self development. That's care. what I'm gonna say. Development. I like okay. that better um, because we we all whatever. start with the potential and we can develop that into things. I like I like self development. You've taught me that phrase.
0: I'm I'm realizing th- here's the thing. I'm I'm per- I'm putting a bunch of stuff on this that doesn't belong here. But for me, I'm I'm realizing that I'm using self-improvement self-betterment self-whatever-the-hell um to like try self-whatever-the-hell. To, to self-whatever-the-hell <laughs> to try to level up to get to the point where I'm okay yeah and I've said this to you where I feel like I need to get to the point where I'm 51 percent better yeah. or 51 percent good like to where I'm at a place where I can then be good enough mostly okay enough to like start like helping other people mm-hmm. or being able to talk, and I'm like, that's not a thing. There's not, and it's weird that my brain is thinking of this in terms of levels, almost like a video game. Because I don't play video games, I'm terrible at them. That's not a thing. So I don't know why my brain hey, is you play making bubble that. Witch. Ki- bubble, <laughs> you're great at bubble. <laughs> I, Witch. I sure do. <laughs> but um, I know what
1: you mean. I think we all have that though, just ingrained yeah. in us. The 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 um what's the word I'm looking for? The, uh, self competitiveness. Mm -hmm. Like we have to keep up with everybody around us. And so there's that like, ah, I gotta be okay. So I can at least like be on the same playing field as these other people. But what we don't realize is these other people are struggling in their own ways as well. Yeah. And although it might look like they're thriving in this way, there's other ways that are being neglected. and you know, like it, which is the huge, If that's the one thing I, I don't know. I think, I don't know if you can teach it to kids because kids are just so binary with like, no, they're good and I'm bad or they're better than me and I'm, um, but to teach them as early as possible, like everybody's struggling. Like the, the person you think is the most has it together, doesn't have it together. So like.
0: Well, it's not just a kid thing. Adults need to realize that. Well, I know, but
1: I think it starts with kids and comparing mm-hmm. yourself with other people in school. And like, I mean, a lot of school stuff, like field days and whatnot, pe classes they don't help that so
0: no here's a weird thing i'm not comparing myself to anyone right now it's it's a it's a comparison all in because i keep having these like through everything that i am learning reading doing it doing right now i keep having like new like light bulb moments aha moments and every time i have them i'm excited for two seconds And then I'm immediately upset that I haven't already. I'm like, why haven't I known this the whole time?
1: Oh, yeah. And I immediately
0: go to beating myself up for like not already being perfect and knowing everything, Mm -hmm. which is so when I break that down on a logical level, I understand like intellectually, I understand that that's ridiculous. But like, I can't I can't help from going there. Yeah. It's like, why didn't you like that seems so basic. Why didn't you know that the whole time? I keep in some ways thinking that I need to be I'm not as good as I need to be yet. And I don't, I don't quite know what that is or how to, how to stop that.
1: Right. I don't know if you'll ever, if we will ever get to that point. Cause it, it, it's like, if you're not going to be happy where you are now, you'll never be happy where you're going to, where you're going tomorrow. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's, that's just a practice of being present and, and accepting the lessons you're learning now and you're learning it now for a reason. And you know, that's yeah. where, you know, yeah. it, which, which once again, is a practice much like what we're going to talk about today, which is codependency and a lot of these things with with we're we're, we're going to do a few episodes here a series if mm-hmm. you will about codependency specifically
0: codependency in covid there I'm we go very excited about that alliteration
1: yeah COVID-pendency. covid pendency it doesn't roll off the tongue but i'm now, not going to stop saying it
0: oh i am i'm not going to start um codependency <laughs> in covid or codependency during covid cuz that's nice an to, interesting yeah, thing yeah
1: it's nice to have somebody who's joining me here and and not I'm supportive of you doing your thing, but I'm not getting that. You're not going to go with COVID COVID pendency? No. It clearly rolls off the tongue. It
0: sounds like a medical device that you would need for something.
1: It sounds like a pendant you get for surviving COVID.
0: Ooh. Like like an award.
1: Yeah, like a little award. Codependency during COVID, specifically because this is such a tricky time. Yeah. And, you know, to use the term that I used a minute ago, but people like... Codependency is being triggered left and right right now. I imagine. Um, Well, it's. I mean, we we have experience with this as well. So, Mm -hmm. we can only speak for ourselves. Because people,
0: well, because people are either you're either with the with the isolation happening right now. You're either isolating with your loved ones, Mm -hmm. um, so you're just all up in your same space in business all the time, or you're isolating away from them which triggers a whole different kind of thing with codependency. So I find it really interesting to look at codependency through the lens of like this, the self-isolation yeah. and the quarantine that's happening. Mm-hmm. Because depending on whether you're with the people you're with 24-7 or away from the people that you love 24-7, like that's, both of those things are going to be stressors in different ways. Yeah. So it's super interesting. And also
1: I want to put a, a, just a, a, a blank statement out there in general that if you're listening to this in a time when – There isn't quarantine happening. Um, This still will apply to you. Um, Also, what is it like? Tell us. (laughs) Because we've been in this for two months. And I know. I kind of already forget life before. I'm wondering if we're
0: ever going to go back to handshakes. Did I say that to you the other day? Because I've wondered this. I'm kind of
1: okay if it goes away.
0: It's so. We, it's so although strange. you told me that oh, you were yeah. super.
1: Yeah, remember because you told me you were super proud of your. Handshake. I'm
0: proud of my lady handshake. That's yeah. why because because well, you don't have a stereotypical one. No, I don't have a lady handshake. You have I a have, solid. I do with a look at an eye person of like don't take advantage of me, man.
1: Yeah, you yeah. do have that. I was impressed with it. <laughs> I shook your hand twice just to see it. The second time I gave you the limp fish though.
0: <laughs> you did. You offered me I your pulled, hand like we were going. I pulled waltz. that thing. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And I was like, am I a lady?
1: I did the thing where you w- reached out to shake my hand and I gave you the the other hand. And so... <laughs> like,
0: like I was supposed to kiss it like it was gloved uh-huh. and dainty. Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: because I'm a lady. <laughs> um, Yeah, but there's there's so much to unpack with this. So we are going to take a few different episodes. They're all structured in, in a specific way where we're sort of doling out um, different aspects of codependency, especially in this time, but not exclusively for this time of quarantine and COVID Mm -hmm. and everything. Um, and today, what, uh, what are we going to roll out Suzanne?
0: Okay. So first I wanted to go through, I'm totally yoinking this from John Kim who online is, uh, the angry therapist across social media, Mm -hmm. if you want to look him up, but he had a really good video just a couple of days ago. He put up, uh, that was an 11 question quiz that was very basic, but I felt like really covered all of the main points. It's 11 questions we're going to go through. Uh, they're yes or no questions. And depending on how you answer these, these might be, you know, a really good indicator that you are dependent in some way in your relationships. So yeah. we're going to go through those 11 questions is what we're going to do first.
1: Today is is essentially like a just a base level Maybe you're not codependent. Maybe you have codependency in certain areas mm-hmm. of your life or maybe you're codependent with some relationships or not. Like This is just to identify it in general. And then in further episodes, we'll kind of talk about what that means and, mm-hmm. and ways to combat it. And we will we want your, your guys' feedback as well. So a lot of people hear the word codependency and yeah. are like, I don't even know what that means. Isn't that like an alcohol thing? I don't really know if that applies to me or not. Um, can you give the people so- like a short and sweet... Uh, definition
0: yes so basically again stealing this from that John Kim video where he is succinct we're gonna unpack this for about yeah. six hours it's fine but <laughs> <laughs> his videos eight minutes long. buckle up um, but number one guys get if you're not driving if you're somewhere where you're listening and you can get a pencil and paper mm-hmm. or can make tally marks somewhere because you're gonna want to just check off your yeses on these but codependency boiled down very basic is the idea that if you're okay I'm okay and if you're not okay, I'm not okay. So if that is the way you function in your relationships, if your okayness is dependent upon your partner, in that whatever that relationship is being okay, then you, you that's kind that's codependency. That's uh, you're taking it like. Um, their feelings need to be they need to be okay their feelings need to be okay you need to make sure things that they're not in discomfort you need to so whatever they're feeling that's why a lot of codependents have a hard time mixing up like whose feelings am I even feeling Mm -hmm. because you might you're taking on the feelings of the other person you're taking on the problems of the like so I feel like good boundaries are like the whole like not my circus not my monkeys codependency is like maybe even realize it's not your circus, but the monkeys are very upsetting to you. Like it's, uh-huh. <laughs> you still really want to help calm them down. It's, you know, it's, it gets tricky with the boundary situation of, but um, yeah, it's just the whole, like your okayness is dependent upon mm-hmm. your partner's okayness. A
1: relationship needs to be dual circuses traveling the same state fairs mm. or whatever. <laughs> Parallel. <laughs> Parallel. Um, But you, but you keep the animals in the cages in the places of, in each separate one mm-hmm. and you don't get it mixed up and therefore people can bounce back and forth between and enjoy you all thoroughly. Yes. We're going to let this metaphor just keep going. Sure, But uh, but I, there's, there's so much <laughs> there because I think so often and special, you know, if you mix in social conditioning, if you, if you mix in religious upbringings, if you mix in any kind of, um, uh, I don't know, it, it's easy to, for this to, to be passed down generationally and familially, that's a hard word for me to say, uh, but uh, the the easiest <clears throat> and maybe where our codependency, re- the relationships stem from, are the parental ones, and it's really hard as a parent
0: because you have those long before you ever have a romantic long relationship. Before. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: but also like as you're raising children, your job is literally for the first few years to take care of that person. Sure. Yeah. And take care of that person's feelings, that little baby. They are literally helpless. And so a lot of times it's hard to slowly detach mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. And so you, your first relationship in which you were feeling loved is from somebody who might be like hardcore dipping into codependency and doesn't mm-hmm. even know. So like as we talk about this, this isn't a thing that you, that you should feel bad about. No. Nope. Because you kind of had no choice in a lot of ways.
0: I think most people are a little bit codependent little bit. at least in some, because it, I think we think of codependency in romantic relationships and that's definitely a thing, but you can be codependent in so many relationships yeah. and chances are if you're codependent in one type of relationship, you're a little bit codependent mm. in all of your relationships. Yeah.
1: So, and and yeah. I think, I think specifically like I learned about codependency in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And then as I started tracing it back, I realized I'd been codependent with every single person in my life. And it started at home And not that I think it's once again, like it's nothing that my parents did on purpose. Mm -hmm. It was just the way that they were kind of taught to love and they were coming either from a place of lack or trying to mimic a way that they love or, you know, this is what you, this is how you raise your kids. Mm -hmm. This is what you do. This is, this is how involved a parent is like, this is just me. Um, a lot of those things, there is a reason that we got here, but it doesn't have to be the the excuses going forward, which is the thing I say all the time. Cause I, 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 it's so easy to just want something to blame. So you can just completely like, like, cool, that's not my fault. That person needs to come fix it. Well, that mm-hmm. that person can't fix it, Very, yeah. but you can And these are like ways to identify uh, where your codependency might lie. And once again, like it's easy, like you said, to look in relationships, but think about this, these things in terms of every relationship in your right. life.
0: Well, specifically, I want to, I mean, you could think about these in terms of anything, but I think it's interesting to, with everyone quarantining, with everyone isolating right now, mm-hmm. to think about these through the lens of, think about these questions with the people you are living with right now or with the people you're in like some sort of relationship with right now uh, during quarantine. So ready? Yeah. Number one, number one, do you feel guilty for asserting yourself or speaking up?
1: This, this can be, do you feel guilty for this goes even deeper? Like, do you feel guilty for having your own thoughts and feelings? And then if you, if mm -hmm. you speak up for them, like, do you, because it, well, it's it's immediate that a lot of that comes along with uh, with self esteem and stuff too. Sure. Which is a hard one.
0: Like yeah, so be have low like self esteem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number two, do you find yourself being the go to for your friends, family, coworkers as a person with a sympathetic ear to talk things things through, um, to have people ask favors of you? Um, Or are you the person that everyone comes to to just kind of verbally like word dump on, like word barf on? Mm -hmm. Are you that go to for your friends and family?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Are you?
0: Yes. Yeah. And I would say that for a long time, maybe even still kind of a point of pride. Oh, Which me too. Comes up later. That's too. what I was gonna
1: say. Like a lot yeah. of these things, I saw or was framed to me when I was younger, and I took with me mm-hmm. as a thing. Like, oh, this is this is like a valuable slot yeah. in like a relationship. Yeah. Like, oh my god, short. don't you just love being the person? Like, you and I both have that quality. Have that quality, and uh and where you can literally like strangers will just. Talk Strangers
0: to have told me shit that I can't believe. I'm like, that just happened. That bagger at the grocery store just told me that Suzanne, thing about prison yesterday.
1: Okay. The plumber.
0: Oh, the pl- the plumber. Literally, told both of us <laughs> yesterday. The
1: plumber. As we <laughs> do you were, like
0: how I met him there? Yeah, I met him right where you sure he is. <laughs> did.
1: Well, it was it was it wasn't a, a uh, he was trying to like he wasn't asking you to take care of his feelings. He wasn't mm. putting anything out there where you were you were you would to feel you were to feel sympathy for him. But he definitely like. I mean, the the plumber in the time he was writing up the bill and you were signing the credit card receipt uh-huh. and everything, told us all about his his uh, dad who was who wasn't there and and him finding out that he has siblings later yeah. in life. And he said
0: there are thirteen of us, and I met him with like, "Sir, me too. I have twelve. <laughs> we're all half siblings here." Let That's yeah, the thing. I feel like I, I yeah, all in maybe like a there.
1: five seven seven-minute span. Yeah. <laughs> it literally happened, well, and it math. feels good because we want to be. I think codependence in general, like if, if we're prone to codependency, which like you said, it's a spectrum. So a lot of people kind of have bits of it. There, there is a point of pride with like, I like being a safe space. Yeah. And, but you, that's a slippery slope if you're not taking care of yourself sure. in that, though.
0: Mm-hmm. Do feel so, like how I completely forgot about the plumber. Yeah. I have so many of those interactions that I forget. <laughs> um, you were there.
1: <clears throat> All right. Number three. You want to read it? Yep. Does it sometimes feel like your feelings and needs don't matter? That's number three. Which that bleeds into the, or that that stems from like resentment too, of well, like, well, yeah, I guess I don't be matter true. because I check in on everybody else, but nobody checks in on me like that. Like,
0: see, I don't even get resentful about that. That's where I go with that. that. I just, I just immediately assume that um, I that I have needs or feelings, but that they don't matter as much as the other person's, and that's because maybe I'm somehow stronger.
1: Oh, interesting. Like you don't need anybody. Like, to like yeah,
0: I can be tough. It's fine. Like I can take care of everybody else, and I can just sit over. Like I'll be, I'll be strong. I'll be fine.
1: Whoa. See, I went the other way where I'm like, I want to take care of people. My codependency comes up, and like, I I take care of people, and I want to be there for them. So later, they'll be there for me. And when they aren't, I get immediately like resentful and bitter. Oh. And I so feel is like, like
0: a transactional thing yeah. almost. Okay. But I don't
1: realize it's happening right. until it until. I need somebody to be there for me, but I don't once again, going to the beginning, like feel like I feel guilty bringing up my emotions. And so I sit there and spiral into all these different phases and, and it ends up being like, I'm, I'm mad that nobody will come, come help me with my problem and my feelings. And then it ends up at a place where I'm like, well, I guess maybe they don't do it because I'm not worth a damn. Okay. Mm. And then I just sit in that. That's where I end, which is a bad place.
0: I think I'm strong and then figure out that I'm not. Mm. Because everyone has needs and everyone needs help. But I'm like, it'll be fine. I'll be fine. And then I'm like on the floor and weigh two pounds because I haven't eaten in days. And, and you're I like, oh. To, I, and I can't lift the sword. And I'm like, it'll be fine.
1: You don't have your, your me, what's that meta medic, medical alert bracelet? <laughs> You've fallen. You can't get up. And you didn't, you didn't even order the Medicaid no, bracelet or the, the medical I alert bracelet. I forgot to do that
0: because. Because you forgot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> because you have to think about yourself and your own needs <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Nobody else was thinking about your needs. And they, one day you might need that medical alert yes. bracelet. Oh, remember that, guys. That was a weird. If, if you don't know that reference, you're young. Okay. Uh, <laughs> number four.
0: Number four. Are you or were you? Oh, geez, this one. Good Lord, guys. Are you ready? Mm. Okay. Are you or were you the peacemaker in your family? So, did your parents fight a lot? Did your siblings fight a lot? And you had the job as kind of like referee to like kind of smooth things over Mm -hmm. and make sure. John Kim calls it the kickstand. Like you're the kickstand for your family. But was it your job to kind of like be in the middle of that and try to smooth things over growing up?
1: Do you have an answer for that?
0: Mine is yes. But it's interesting because I don't, I always wonder when I think about how I perceived my role in my family. And I was the oldest, so I think part of that is like I, I felt a, a responsibility, responsibility yeah, for sure for that. for younger ones. But I feel like I'm wondering if all my siblings would all see themselves in that light, because my parents argued all the time, and because, I wonder if yeah. all of us were like babysitting feelings all the time hmm. and trying to smooth things over. It's interesting. Oh,
1: that would be interesting to ask. Like, do you feel? Like because I definitely felt
0: like I had to do that. But I'm wondering if my siblings even saw me as that way. Like if we mm-hmm. saw each other that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But those feelings were definitely there.
1: I, I think it would be interesting to ask. Like if, if, I think if it you would not question, be interesting. <laughs> if you gave <laughs> a questionnaire to all of your siblings though yeah. and asked that question in there, if all of them would say, yes, it was me. Right. It was my job. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't see ourselves how we actually are sometimes. So, you know. That's interesting. Or
0: or the feelings and how you perceive things are, are not necessarily, you know, your actions weren't reflecting that for other, for, you know what I mean? Like your feelings aren't necessarily other people's perceptions of how you were yeah. reacting. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Because oh, yeah. I think my sisters would be like, no, she was in a room all the time, ignoring us. But in your mind, in your music. room. But in my mind, yeah, I mean, in like, my room trying y- to figure shit out. Mm-hmm. Trying to, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. For me, it was, my brother was, my parents didn't fight in front of us. Um, which is the problem you should fight in front of your kids so you can make up in front of your kids yeah. so you can show them how to avoid or how to not avoid conflict, but how to deal with it. Yep. Anyway, that's another episode, Jeez. but, um, my parents didn't do that. So I didn't, I, I am conflict avoidant. Um, that's one of my issues or one of my things, uh, yeah. <laughs> traits, but, um, but I, my brother was the, the sort of loud reb, rebellious, you know, he he would get into yelling matches with my parents and stuff over a lot of things. And I was always the song and dance man who would come in, you know, mm-hmm. 10, 11, 12 and on and and defuse it with a joke or a passive aggressive thing or like some kind of thing. I would just be like super like just to, I, I, I took it upon myself and my parents allowed it for me to be this person to like. Pop it, And then they would tell me what a good boy I was like, oh, thank you so much for being this way. Like, and I loved not being difficult. That's when I was like, there is value in not being a difficult human. I will remain non-difficult. But what I categorized as difficult was a lot of things that were just, no, you're a a human with complex emotions. (laughs) Like Like you're allowed to like, so I felt guilty to work things out out loud because I felt like I was bringing difficult things to the table. And I was like, I don't want to bring more so trouble. Being
0: direct was being difficult because yes. you were asking for what you needed. So and if I was seem,
1: indirect yeah. and then invited people into the room to ask me more questions, then it was okay. Cause they asked me, right. I didn't have to like,
0: right. you know,
1: and also you don't have to risk being rejected cause you you're being indirect, right. but it's, as we've learned in last week's, especially episode, especially like it's not kind to be indirect. Being direct is kind. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's where my, being the peacekeeper came. I was like, ah, oh, I would just right. do this little song and dance, like the the WB frog, and I, I, just to try to make it. And then I was rewarded for that, mm-hmm. you know, um, the good kid syndrome. They're yeah. like, well, I'll be as good as I can be because you know. But yeah, hundred percent took it. That's why, like, I think I have, a, I use humor a lot. Because of that, yeah. Like my sense of humor was developed being the comedian at the dinner table because it was awkward, mm-hmm. and I could you can always pop awkward with humor. Sure, yeah. yeah.
0: I did the same thing. Mine was mine was humor as a, I was Chandler. Mine's like humor yeah. as a deflection to get to get any deeper. It's like boom because once you hit that humor, then it bounces off, yeah. And you don't have to go any deeper than what you just did. Like mm-hmm. nope, this is as deep as it goes. Boom. And thinking for a long time, like especially with my kids, like when they were little or like kind of deflecting with jokes like hard situations because my kids are growing up with like some difficult situations like humor, 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 like make them laugh. like make the situation feel not as crappy but at but now realizing like did not teach them how to access those deeper heart like how to sit in discomfort because my thing was to like never let them sit in discomfort. Like gloss over. Let's go get ice cream. Let's like there was never the the sitting and the discomfort, which is an important thing to have to do. Yeah, you
1: consider discomfort and have a hard conversation and it not be awkward. You yeah. know, what I, like I wish that I was taught that too. Like yeah. it's okay. Like just because we're being serious right now doesn't mean that. Like I I feel like that sometimes when when people are being too serious. Like I feel other people who aren't aren't comfortable in it. Like want like they're like buzzing. Like they want to make a joke. They mm-hmm. want to make a joke. And I and I'm fine with like and I've learned even in my in my becoming healthier that you can pop in a joke, you know, after ever after like 10 minutes of seriousness, you can pop in a little bit of humor to show like we're okay. We're okay. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like the,
0: What's a spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine yeah. go down?
1: And then pop right back into being serious mm-hmm. again. Like I I like doing that. I've done that in in my songs and like I th- there's there is a way to, to drop a just a droplet of levity in there mm-hmm. to because humor is essentially soaked with truth. But it's just spun around and like, you know, a cotton candy machine and like is a different form. Um,
0: Making it palatable. Yeah. Yeah.
1: A little bit. But there's an there's an unhealthy and a healthy way to do that for sure. The
0: chocolate and the protein powder. Yeah.
1: That's exactly that's a great metaphor. Look Thank you. you.
0: That's going on a T-shirt.
1: <laughs> OK, number five. Are you constantly disappointed by being let down by others or by not being able to trust or rely on others? Constantly disappointed by being let down on, by okay, others. Okay,
0: so I feel like this is the thing that you were talking about when it's you expected it to be tit for tat and then when you're not tatted bat for your tits, then you're...
1: <laughs> <laughs> I want to be tatted back for my tits. And you're like,
0: where's my tat? I gave you my tit and you're... When I give a
1: tit, <laughs> I want a damn tat. That's all I'm saying
0: but it's that expectation of not asking Mm -hmm. and then being upset when people can't read your mind. Oh yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, my entire marriage was based on that. Like you should be able to read me. I gave you the tits, give me the tats. Like, but, uh, and, and that's how we, and and it's not, I'm not, my marriage isn't special in that. Like there's a lot of people who think that your soulmate is just supposed to read your mind at all times. And this is a thing I thought up until a year or so ago that that, that was what made a good partner and, and what really makes a good partner is being direct and communicative with your, with your needs. And, and having
0: them meet you there. Boom. And then be like, yes, yes I will do that. I will
1: maybe. do that. Yeah. I'm willing to do that or I'm able to do that. Yeah. And if they're not being willing to be willing to be like, okay, like, well, thank you for your time. Um, but also, or, or or having that conversation further and you can realize, yeah. you know, and so I think a lot of this is, is rooted in this number five is, is rooted in yeah. that.
0: Mm-hmm. Sorry, my, my mind is going to the whole idea of like, it's okay to ask for a thing, have that not be like someone else has boundaries against that and is able to say like, I cannot meet, like I can't meet you there or I won't be you there and not being angry at them for that. I mm-hmm. think this is the thing where like breakups, we get so caught up in like, in there being a bad guy in relationships or there being, when really it's just two people who aren't compatible and that's not your person and you just need not need to not be with that person. That doesn't mean they're a bad person. It means you're not compatible. It means you're asking directly for the things you need. You guys are having clear communication. The person is like, I can't do that or won't do that for whatever reason, not for shitty reasons, but just because, you know, they've got boundaries. And when that shit's not lining up and at that point, like not self-abandoning, like I, I feel like, most relationships or not most a lot of relationships though aren't going to line up you're not going to have that compatibility and mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that one person's an asshole no it just means you're not compatible
1: yeah what what was the thing you said the other day oh you said that you wished that um teen if like teenagers would realize that just because you have chemistry mm-hmm. with somebody doesn't mean that you need to be in a ro- romantic relationship with yeah. them yeah that you can have like chemistry with people that are just your friends, even uh, especially of the opposite sex Mm -hmm. that like it doesn't need, it doesn't mean that you need to like enter into a romantic thing with them. Like, Or you can, you can be compatible in the friendship ways and have chemistry with a friend. That doesn't mean you need to take it to that next level, Mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people, especially young people are like, what am I feeling? Is this love? Is this my person?
0: So the thing I, the thing I wish someone would have told me when I was a teenager is The feeling I have when you get a crush on somebody, like in school, how you have like three or four crushes a year, or what I did, um, is that feeling is like chemistry with a person. And that, you know, initial like, you talk, you get the fluttery, like maybe you're attracted to them. That's chemistry. And, but that was never explained to me. that that's like, that's chemistry that you're feeling with a person. And, you know, sometimes that chemistry dies out. Sometimes that, but you can have chemistry with a person and not need to necessarily be in a romantic relationship with them. Or you have, you know, like you can have like platonic chemistry with a person where you just like talk, 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 and yeah. but doesn't mean you need to like make out with them or I don't know. Yeah. That wasn't explained yeah. to me. I feel like as that's a not, that's not
1: normalized as much as it no. needs to be
0: like, Hey, maybe we can make this work. That's all you think about is like, also then,
1: the non-compatibility isn't a rejection. It's just is or Jeez, it isn't. That's
0: a huge one, right? Yeah.
1: Like it's not anybody's fault. Like you're not being rejected no. because you're not compatible. You're not gonna be compatible with everybody. No, that's just it the way it works. It
0: would be so weird it if you were weird. compatible with everyone.
1: It would. It would be like non compatibility is a gift because it helps you sift through the people who are your people and the people that aren't. Yep. Because we were compatible with every person on planet on the planet, we would marry our like kinder kindergarten boyfriend or whatever like you can't be like yeah it's it's a gift see it as 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 nature's way of weeding people out you know yeah but we make up our minds we're like no that person needs to be for me because i have this strong feeling and like this is what i'm supposed to want or whatever it might be
0: because our whole thing is wanting to be what is this for you because i'm trying to figure out if this is like a a woman thing if this is like a a Uh, personality type thing but like Mm. the wanting to be chosen thing because my whole thing was like wanting to be good enough wanting to present myself in a way wanting to chameleon myself self-abandon like figure out what my identity was to be chosen yeah like what do i need to be to be chosen by this person yeah like and that came before like all before even like do i want is this person a good person do I want to be with this person it was like how do I keep this person do I interested? like them how do because I because they like me is I that the only reason I was obsessed with wanting to be chosen but yeah I was too so yeah huh okay
1: It might be a personality thing maybe maybe everybody wants to be chosen
0: is that a codependent thing I don't, maybe. I don't know maybe no I feel like there are some people who are like no nope, make me decide why I should be with you like there are definitely oh yeah for types. sure yeah that's
1: true I don't know it's, it, it's interesting
0: I'm getting way off base okay all right number six number six uh, do you fear that if you told people how you really felt that they would judge you or leave you? So is speaking up a fear for you. And this is a hell yeah for me. Yeah, me how too. about you?
1: Yeah, for sure. This ties back with the first one where it's like, you're, you, I feel it's not a, f- the first one was, do you feel guilty? Mm-hmm. But there, it's not a guilt as much as it's a fear.
0: Yours is a fear. Yeah. See, mine's fear of abandonment.
1: I'm scared of saying what I might need because somebody might say no. And that means I have to make some hard decisions, Mm -hmm. which I'm not used to making hard decisions based on what I want Mm -hmm. or what I actually want, Mm -hmm. what I need. Um, and so it's easier for me just to go along with what other people, this goes from, uh, where are we going to eat tonight? Uh, what movie do you want to see all the way to like actual big life stuff? Like what do you want to do in your career or where do you want to go? It's easier for somebody else just to lead that cart and you Mm -hmm. just ride in it Mm -hmm. because then but then, like you, you, you said before, like then you're not. If somebody else is guiding you around and you're just self abandoning left and right, and like because you don't have to embrace your fear of speaking up for yourself, then you're not culpable for whatever happens. Sure. Then you're that's like that's the I don't know. for
0: that. Yeah. Like, like I
1: don't know. Like, I didn't ask well, I for didn't, this. I didn't
0: make this choice. No, this somebody is, else yeah, made it for so me. So you know I can't be. I can't million, be to blame. Yeah, be right? yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> which, which that's that's a fear based action. Sure. You know, like it, it's hard to face those fears and be like, no, what I want matters. But the more you do your work, that that's been maybe the number one thing with realizing my codependency and, and reading the books and doing the work and, and recognizing it is like, if like overcoming that fear that if I speak up for myself, um, and nobody comes, like meets me there. Mm -hmm. Or if I speak up for myself and somebody says, no, I can't do that for you. Mm -hmm. Then, I My whole world doesn't crumble. Mm-hmm. I'll be all right. Yeah. Like, I'll figure it out because yeah. I'm capable. Yeah. You know, go from culpable to capable. Yeah. There's a lot Ooh, there. There we go. <laughs> Number seven. Does it feel good to be relied upon? Do you derive self-worth value from being the go-to? We talked about this, didn't we?
0: Well, kind of it's, being the, it's now, being the person that du- yeah, people it, it's, dump on. Do you, yeah. So do you derive value? Like yourself? Yeah. So, we kind of touched so on that. So not just, yeah. Is that where you're getting self-worth? Mm-hmm. Like, even if it's coming from a place of martyrdom of like, ugh, I'm always, but you know, like, sorry, yeah, I was late, but Tina came my, over. And, yeah. Like, you know, I'm called a, me again. Uh, going she, through she another like breakup still. Yeah. She can't,
1: you know she can't talk to anybody else like she can talk to me. So, so. you're
0: exhausted, but you you also derive a kind mm-hmm. of pleasure from being that person that. that well, how many
1: on. times have we heard that in relationships, especially young relationships, where it's like you don't know him like I do. Oh, he he, he can young. really talk to me. He told me I'm the only person that he can tell this stuff to. Like I can't leave him. Yeah, he treats me like shit, but like. There are some nights, he's really sweet. I'm the
0: only one who can handle him.
1: Yeah, oh my God. No one else can handle that. You tweeted that the other day and I was like, oh my God, that thing of like, maybe I don't need to be handled (laughs) like at all is so huge. Like we, we attach that like worth and value to like, you know, and so often it is, this is a parental thing too, especially in this time, like, uh, oh, so-and-so spun out, let me go take care of it because I know how to, I know how to handle him. I, I know how to take, you know. How to deal with our toddler or whatever it might be like, or uh, how often is it the but the parents? Now the toddler
0: is a thirty five year old man, exactly, with your brother and who can't yeah. cut his own meat.
1: Um, I love we we referenced the cutting meat thing and we never talked about it, and I don't want yeah, to. Okay. I don't want to explain just, it. Yeah, um, uh, I want people to be like, what is the cutting meat thing? But it, it, or how many times is it? Well, you know your father. I'll go talk to him. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, yeah. Dad was kind of mean to me or cold shouldered me or whatever. I was like, let me go talk to him. Like I just know how to deal with them, and like I deal. You know, it's been forty yep. years of marriage. And blah, blah blah. I'm like, yep. We shouldn't be sidestepping shitbags who sh- should have gone to therapy. Yeah. Sorry, dad. Like, yep. deal with your emotions. You, it's not mom's job to be your handler and your lawyer. Or, you know, <laughs> I I know that that's, like, a touchy subject because a lot of people have dads that are very, who are, like, strong, good men but like, don't communicate well. And so they often pull this kind of like toddler-esque behavior. And I'm here to say you can be a strong, good man who doesn't have good communication skills. Sure. It's not reflective of your heart, but Great be news. better.
0: Learnable behaviors. It, yes. It's all yes, yes, learnable. Yes.
1: Oh, my gosh. It drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. Just because
0: something's uncomfortable. doesn't mean you can't learn it.
1: Like, it's okay. But, the, but how many times do our moms, if we take, it's why moms don't deal well with the empty nest stuff or don't deal well with like... um with you know, kids leaving the house or like a husband uh, working more jobs and not being available as much. It's because they need somebody. That, a lot of times moms have the...
0: Uh, well, your self-worth is wrapped up in, in the, care ta- yeah, the caretaker. Yeah, the caretaker. That's the where the I was thinking yeah. yeah,
1: It's like, well, if you take that away, what do I have? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know, Denise, figure it out. Yeah. You, have, you have more to you than just this thing. Oh, Denise. Yeah, she's a I sweetie, but out, she'll day. figure it out.
0: Number, what was that? We did That was seven. seven. So number eight um oh geez does it feel like very few people or maybe none at all really knows you Mm -hmm. do you feel like maybe no one really knows you that's a big one i can't even step down this rabbit hole
1: yeah next
0: but yes let me number nine
1: (laughs) i mean that that's a
0: that may be the stem of so much that's a
1: question that you need to ask and then don't and then really meditate on that, like really unpack that also, for yourself. Also, I'm an
0: enneagram four, so i always gonna feel like that's a no. I'm way too complicated for anyone to figure out. Yeah, I'm a mystery.
1: You're not complicated. You're complex. I there are different like things. Um, yeah, there was. A, there Tell was, me, I'm difficult. There but was. A, there was a meme uh, or a drawing, a cartoon of a, of a cat looking out the window, and it was like nobody really knows me. I'm lonely. Nobody's ever gonna come close enough to get to know me. And then the human comes up and pets the cat. And then he's and then the cat says, like, back the fuck off. And, and then and then the next frame is the cat alone and is like destined to be alone again. <laughs> this is like
0: was it an Enneagram for yeah, me. It was. Just, OK. It yeah, was. I feel a little called out right now, but, <laughs> next. but you
1: know, um, OK. Number eight. Does it feel like very few? Oh, wait, we already did it. Number nine.
0: <laughs> Why are you making me stay here? Sorry.
1: <laughs> well, moving on. Next truck stop. Number nine. When someone is upset or angry, do you feel guilty? Uh, even if you weren't the direct cause of their upset. Uh, even if it's not your fault slash you had no involvement. Yeah. So if somebody's upset, angry, do you feel guilty? Even if you're not the reason. You're not even involved. Once again, you not guilty, your circus, not your monkeys, yeah. but you're making it your monkeys. Yeah. You're like, okay, what What did I do?
0: Do you feel yeah. like it's your job to fix that even if you weren't involved? Mm-hmm. Is it somehow your job to like?
1: Yeah. A lot of that for me comes comes back to being raised religious and being like, you're sinful and you had no choice in the matter. Mm. And so I feel like guilty about something and, and, and I can project it onto this thing. And like, I, if I can take care of this, then maybe I can like absolve myself from other stuff that I, I always feel guilty because there's always, I was, I was, born into sin. You know what I mean? Quote unquote, born into sin. So there's always something that I can feel guilty about. I can access guilt and shame. So and embarrassment so quickly, Mm because I'm like, I was born an impure, imperfect, sinful being against my creator. And so I can project that onto anybody's situation and feel bad about it. It's this, it's the thing whenever like a cop pulls behind me and I know I'm not speeding, I will convince myself that he's going to Run my tags and and learn that I masturbated too much too much in seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's
0: interesting how many of these are worded with guilt. Yeah, fear. Yeah, def- yeah. Um, which just means I I feel like are we aware of how many of our actions feelings are driven by these more negative type emotions. Mm-hmm. Like it's not coming from a place of like empowerment where like you feel awesome. So you want to like empower other people. It's coming from a place of lack, fear, shame, guilt, mm-hmm. whatever. And you're trying to make up for a thing mm-hmm. by fixing other people's situations.
1: And this specifically, like, like we're not talking thing. about, yeah. Saber complex. Yeah.
0: Saber complex. <laughs> huge thing.
1: Uh, if you have a saver complex, there's a good chance you're codependent. Yep. Um, but, uh, with this specifically in COVID right now, like if everybody's in the house is just brought down because we are in several different waves of things during Mm -hmm. this quarantine. Um, But it, if it's not your, it's not bad if you ask everybody, if it's okay, if you come up with some activities, like, Hey, what if we all went on a walk? later like if you come up with ways to kind of raise the morale Mm -hmm. that's one thing but if you're bringing it in and it doesn't work and then you make that about you Mm -hmm. or you're like oh i'm a failure because i couldn't fix something that was wrong in my people or my partner or whatever um you can make um assertions or you can make efforts to Bring bring up the morale, yeah. and if it doesn't work, that's not on well, you. It's I feel okay. like,
0: I feel like the, what is maybe our responsibility is to come up with the. It's maybe our responsibility to extend the invitation. There you go. It is not our responsibility to dictate how that goes, how people respond to your invitation, mm-hmm. to what degree they take part in it, what their feelings yeah. are after taking part in it. Like that. That's the kind of stuff you need to divorce yourself from. Like it's maybe your responsibility to. Put that out there sure. to, in, you know, to extend that invitation like wholeheartedly. Yeah, because if you
1: love somebody, you, you want to yeah. like create an environment in which they can thrive in. Yep. But you have, like you say all the time, you have to be divorced from the result. Yes, of that. you yeah. can't dictate how they respond to a right. thing. You know, because that's not in like, your no, control. I
0: did the scene and then you were supposed to say yes. And then we're supposed to go do this thing. And then you're supposed to feel that way. And they're supposed to thank me for that. And then later on, you're supposed to remember back to this thing. When I ask you to do this other thing for me later. And then you at my are, funeral, you're you supposed to give a eulogy. The t- eight steps yeah. ahead yeah, yeah, how yeah. this whole thing is supposed oh to play Oh my God. Out. <laughs> and yeah. I don't mean you, you. No, I no. mean people. No, no, no. I know what yeah. you mean. Yeah. All right. Okay. What's next? What number?
1: Um, number 10. Do you find yourself obsessing about interactions with people long after the interaction is over? (laughs) Suzanne, you want to take this?
0: No. Okay. Number 11. No. (laughs) That was easy. I mean, this is a joke. This is a joke. I feel like a lot of people do this. The obsessing after. Mm -hmm. My whole thing is coming up with like the perfect comeback. Three days too late. The jerk store called. Oh my gosh. You know how many times I stand in the shower and I catch myself actually mouthing the words of a conversation that I wish I would have said to somebody and I'm like, God damn it, this is the best comeback, and wish mm-hmm. I could get in a time machine and go back and like do my sick burn yeah. in real time. Or like or the thing I said that was like really embarrassing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that you know, when I misspoke and look like a jackass, or you know, so many of those.
1: Well that that stems from not um not feeling comfortable and in wading into the waters of of reflecting your true feelings in the moment. Sure. So you just say something where you self-abandon or you say something where you come in way too hot or you don't say anything at all and you let somebody walk all over you. And then later when you're in a safe place like the shower Mm -hmm. or your car where you feel more confident, that's when you come up with the best stuff because your, your brain isn't used to accessing the truth in those moments Mm of, um, I don't know, like those, those more, what are those moments called?
0: Well, cause your knee jerk reaction If you haven't processed and and done a a lot of work, you know, a a lot of us are coming from like we're working from wounded places or we're, you know, we're trauma informed or whatever. So our knee jerk reactions in a moment, not going to be the best thing. But a lot of us don't have time to like, okay, let's take five. Let's sit down and break this down. What response would be best Mm -hmm. for, you know, let's break down this trigger. Where is this feeling coming from? Why am I feeling this? What are the thoughts behind it? Like we can't really do that in real time. And so we're doing that work. We're doing that later. Hopefully, we're doing that later um, in a productive way and not just laying in bed at 3 a.m. beating ourselves up. Oh, we like, too. But you're doing that later and you're like, geez, I wish I would have done it this way. And I feel like, here's the thing. Over time, I feel like we do get better at responding rather than reacting better in the moment to conversations, to things going on. But for a long time, like, man, none of us are. We're, we're all coming from a place. And you don't have place. to have your, all working you don't have to have place. the
1: perfect comeback. But I think even just saying like, um,
0: well it's it's the whole thing. Please idea. don't speak to me that Feeling way. Feeling right empowered like that in kind the moment thing. to stand up for yourself. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to
1: have the perfect quippy come back as much as you can just you can just hold your ground and speak up for yourself from a person who actually who your your words are as, have as much value as their words. So if somebody's yeah. coming at you hot um with with you know they're trying to tear you down because they're in a moment, you can say like, Will you will you please not speak to me that way? Like even yeah. that.
0: Even just recognizing that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. That's them putting a bunch of their shit on you. That has nothing to do with you. The comeback
1: might be, well, I hope you figure that out, man. (laughs) Right. Good luck. Sorry your mom didn't love you. Get some Um, therapy, Tim Allen. Yes. Um. (laughs) Fuck her, go to therapy.
0: (laughs) Fuck her, go to therapy. All right. Number 11. Here we go. Bring us home. Is it difficult to say no when someone makes demands on your time or energy? Is it hard to say no? Do you find yourself saying yes When you want to say no, or, or do you say no and then feel guilty about it?
1: That is a huge, whether that be
0: your time, your energy, like a conversation, you know, yeah. Helping your friend move, doing like,
1: that's a tent pole of codependency Oof. saying yes. When you mean no. Yeah. Saying yes. When you mean no is a huge thing because the last thing you want to do is like hurt somebody's feelings or make them feel, you know, we want to be, well, this goes back to being wanted to be seen as a relied upon person.
0: Mm -hmm, Right.
1: You know? If that's um, where you're,
0: you're deriving your self worth. Like, no, I that's my job. My job is to always be this person, no matter what. Because
1: if I say no, what if they don't come back to me again?
0: Sure.
1: Like, okay, well then that's good. <laughs> but that's a giant fear.
0: Of it's not like, being needed.
1: Yeah. Like, if I'm not a needed person, then who am I?
0: Well, if, if I'm not a needed person, is it enough for people to just want to be around me? Do people want to be around me if they don't need me?
1: Drop that mic. Don't, these are expensive. But that was... <laughs> Yeah, seriously, that. Mm -hmm. Am I enough without the added value of always being there for people? Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. That's a huge question. That goes back to that question and the um, who am I question from earlier. Like, what was that question? Do
0: people, does anyone really know me? Does
1: anybody really know me? Yeah. Those two will punch you in your gut. Mm
0: -hmm. That's
1: not the word I wanted to use there. But um, I know this is. All right, these are. I know that's a lot to unpack, and we just did it inside of an hour. So I, we can write them all down. Yeah, like, and put them in
0: the in the notes too. But so you can go through well, them these. Will,
1: yeah, these are in the podcast notes, and then we'll we'll put it on social media as well. Um, but I go ahead.
0: But yeah, well, so it's a, so this list of eleven. If you had more than five, uh, it's possible that you're struggling with some kind of like dependency in relationships. Dependency meaning it's your okayness is dependent upon the mm-hmm. other person's being also being yeah. okay. So five or more, I didn't count these yesterday because it was a big number and I'm not good at math. <laughs> but I mean, here's the thing I'm aware of them now, which is yeah. huge. And I can talk myself out of like, I can have these feelings, but now not immediately act on them. Yeah. That's huge. I stop myself. Oh yeah. my gosh. That mm-hmm. is,
1: that's a huge step.
0: Yeah. I'm wondering if it ever gets a, do I get to the point where I don't feel this ever is a question. Like, do I ever get to that point or is it forever kind of like just defusing your triggers? I wonder,
1: I think it's that, I think, I think you feel the trigger of these things. You recognize that and you're like, Oh yeah, that's what it is. And you never let it reach the surface. Right. It's just always, it's just a loving, like put the head back down. Uh It pops up and you lovingly put it back down and then it just becomes, so that becomes your normal practice.
0: Whack them all with your ego.
1: Yeah, pretty much. But in a loving way where you're
0: like, no, we we don't
1: like, you don't need to do this anymore. Cause so much codependency comes from fear. It comes from, um, am I enough? It comes from like all these things where that are based on either learned behavior or, uh, trauma or abuse. And so we, it's, 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 our nature checking in to see if it needs to go to extreme measures to get sure. what it needs. Sure. So, and you can lovingly be like, no, 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 we're not in that space mm-hmm. anymore. We don't need this. Not necessary. I got it. We're good. And then that's where your healthy behavior, like covers it like a loving blanket. Right. And it, it, it calms those spears to the a place where it's like, Oh, okay. It just pops its head up in the middle of the night and we slowly put it back to bed. Mm-hmm. And it just, that becomes so necessary that we don't even recognize we're doing it. Okay. I think it, that's what the practice becomes mm-hmm. and, and helping other people, Re- like like we were just talking about this morning, like, over coffee, like, there's, uh, you know, relationship-based uh TV shows and movies where, like, I'm almost watching it from, a, like, uh almost watching it like I'm in school, like, taking notes, and I'm like, oh, yeah, there it is. Oh, it's interesting how she reacted this mm-hmm. way, because she couldn't say what she actually felt, and then he responded in this way. So,
0: specifically, what we're talking about, you're re-watching the show Love.
1: On Netflix, yeah.
0: And then I just watched the show and then I did too told you, and I don't know if you're happy about that or not, but normal no, it people, was interesting, yeah. the, the show normal, on Hulu, well, on Hulu. Um, which are yeah. both
1: relationship based shows. Yes. One of them is a drama. Um, and one of them is, is comedic with dramatic elements, but they, I feel like they both touch some really interesting codependent, uh, what, uh, avoidant styles of, uh, intimacy avoidance, there's a lot of like mm-hmm. stuff bubbling around. If you are I'm to the point now where like stuff doesn't trigger me as much as I just want to see examples of it. Yes. So I can notice it's it. It's interesting to, yeah. to
0: dissect it and it's medium. it's
1: practicing mm-hmm. in a safe space. Yeah. I don't have to live, I don't have to go out and be codependent with people to recognize it. Right. Um I, I can as I work on it, I'm like, oh, interesting. Yeah. There's a part of me, even in um uh past versions of me, if I watched normal people. Or love, I would be like, oh man, I have such a crush on her. Um, I can, I can. Get, all she needs is me to be in there and save her. <laughs> I can do this. Oh my gosh, she needs me. And then now I can see the the female characters, especially, and be like, oh gosh, like she's cute, but she's got work to do. Oh, you know, like it's that kind of thing. Because uh-huh. I was like that with with yeah. uh, Marianne from Normal People. I'm like, oh yeah, I was like, she's she's cute and like has I like a lot of qualities about her, but like she needs help in this way and this way and this way. I hope she gets it. It's not, I need to do it.
0: I can, I could be that. Yeah. I would be the perfect person. My, my
1: savior complex has in the last year or two had some serious overhauls. And a lot of that is because of my work with boundaries and codependency is realizing it. And here's the thing, guys, it might be fearful. You might, if you're codependent and you feel that like, Oh my God, if I, but what is my value if I can't fix it? Can you it?
0: break down what is what does Savior Complex mean to you? What what is that? Because like I feel like that's one of those things that gets tossed around. Yeah. what is that
1: for me? And, and maybe a lot of men. Uh, I can just, I only speak from from my own experience, but like that for me, it is um, if I see somebody in trouble on the side of the road, a stranger or a person puts on on Facebook that they need a ride to the airport or whatever it might be. I feel like I am. The right person that can do it, and I will mm. drop everything that I'm doing in that moment, and uh, and try to hop in and be because I want to be seen as well a savior for this person in this. Is it for any person, moment. or is
0: this more specifically for women?
1: No, it it is for I like it for everybody. It is more. I am more prone to be do it for women. Uh, what were you gonna say?
0: I was just gonna say because I'm I'm wondering if it's if like in you know like. Male female relationships. If because women are I mean, I hate to say it, but someone of so many of us are looking to be saved, and so are men looking to save. Are men looking yeah. to save and women are looking to be saved? So is a savior complex Stereotypically com- yes. So is like from a savior complex point of view, is it men I'm just I was just wondering if that's more aimed at women in I think it is. Some kind of a like not even necessarily relationship type way, but like just from like just between men and women, mm-hmm. men are taught to save women and women are looked to, to like be taken care of by men because mm-hmm. we're weak. And so it's, I
1: think there's, there's, there's the, the white knight uh, stuff rattling yeah. around in us where like, that's what we're taught is our value as men. And, um, but for me, it's, I also have the thing where it's like, well, that's somebody's mom or like that's somebody's, wife or that's like, I would want somebody to stop for me. So it's an empathy thing too. Mm -hmm. But I also is like, if I'm on the side of the road and nobody stops for me, I get resentful because I would stop for somebody else. Right. It's almost like paying karma forward. It's like paying, it's putting a penny in the karma jar where I'm like, no, well, somebody's going to come back for me too. So there's a little bit of that, of that transactional thing there. But I think the savior complex initially comes from, no, like I, I, it feels good to, to help somebody in their time of need, even going above and beyond. And because they will eventually say like, I couldn't have done this without you. Mm. And that makes me feel irreplaceable. Therefore uh, puts the value in my life. Uh Um, But what if I, am late to a meeting where I will, if I, if I stop and help this person, I will let down other people. It's that, you know, it's right. the, it's the trolley car scenario from the <laughs> right. good place, you know, uh, which is the, it's not just from the good place, but it was highlighted recently in the good place where it's like, well, do you save three lives or 50 lives? Like, it, or, you know, and it's
0: the cuter one. That's the answer. In this, in this scenario, it's the cuter girl,
1: Kristen Bell. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah, and it's a really tricky thing to be like, um, to see the person stopped on the side of the road. And if you have a second, do it, but not from a place of like wanting to get something back, but just make sure that they're in, in out of harm's way. Right. Cause I've, I've, literally, even in the last year stopped and helped somebody cause it, in, in need on the side of the road. And it was absolutely. It turned into a shit show. Yeah. It was a bad, it turned into a bad situation. They didn't speak English mm-hmm. and it, it just was, it was a bad situation and I almost instantly regretted it. And, um, and I, I jumped their their car was dead. I jumped their car and got along the way. And then she spoke very broken English and asked for my number. But I, and I was like 50 miles down the road and she called me again cause her car died. And I was like, I can't, old me would have turned around and driven mm-hmm. 50 miles t- uh, more to help her. But I was like, I can't do it. I have to trust that somebody else will, or right. she can figure it out. You know, right. it, it you can find yourself in stickier situations because of that save your combo if it's Mm -hmm. not in in check Mm -hmm. and mine is in so much check now that i and i'm and this is what i was going to say is we have that fear uh, that if we don't if our value lies in constantly jumping in and helping people when either we're not asked to or we're making other people's problems our problems i'm speaking from experience even a little bit on the other side you sleep better at night (laughs) It's such a load off mm-hmm. to realize what is yours and yours to take care of. Yeah. Can you speak to this? Like yeah. it, it is absolutely like it, it is so freeing to know what is yours, to recognize it in the, in the moment and realize that you can still be a loving partner or parent or relationship, friendship, whatever you can still like have massive amounts of love and your value is still intact and has nothing to do about how much you're involved in another person's life or not, or what like messing with something that has nothing to do with you. There is so much freedom in being like that person's spinning out. I'll let them know I'm available, but I'm not going to step in and try to fix it for them. Yeah. I can't, I can't step, step in and do this right now because I have other stuff going on. That's actually important to me. I'll let them know I'm available. And if they want to come to me, they can, but that differenti- that differential is so incredibly healing yeah. and freeing. Do it guys. Take the leap.
0: Well, and a little bit having kind of in a similar vein is the idea when I first started putting down boundaries with people, it felt so mean, but then the load off, they came with like being just like nope, this is I am not going to take ownership of this. This is not mine. The relief that I felt immediately offset any kind of I'm like this yeah. is mean and I'm like it doesn't matter, this feels amazing. Like yeah. <laughs> it was Incredible to as let soon go as you start, of like, the control over things that are not yours yeah, to control. As
1: soon as you green light your own needs and emotions and desires and like is it it becomes almost addictive and you know you need to keep that in check as you it it's easy to go the complete opposites into the spectrum and just be like, I don't need nobody. Like, well, yeah, well, that,
0: that's that's the thing of going from like anxious attachment to like avoidant, exactly. Like, you know, the flip side yeah. of that isn't healthy either, but yeah yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, which we'll talk more about that, yeah, in future episodes. But yeah, that I, I encourage you if, if it's that if you're listening to this and you really do fear that taking that leap is gonna feel bad and selfish and you don't have a, I'm here to tell you, you have value beyond what other people are, are mirroring to mm-hmm. you, yep. and it's it is within you because I was maybe. Once we, we both realized that uh, our codependency and we really unpacked that with the book, Melody Beattie's book, Codependent No More, which I think we've referenced on every single episode, which I highly recommend checking out. If you if Amazon's a little bit slow right now, there's Kindle versions. Um, it's it's a 30-year-old book, so there's a lot of um, uh, versions of it out there. Mm-hmm. You can find it. Um, I, I highly recommend going through it, your own copy of it, because you're going to want to read it a few times and highlight it uh but I, I highly recommend. <laughs> do you want to talk about your highlighting of codependent no more, Susan? Okay.
0: So we, when we originally, so I came up with like codependency and COVID. I'm like, ooh, that's good. Let's make this like a little mini series thing yeah. that we do. And then my, one of my first thoughts was like, oh, we can go through and like talk about like the behaviors. And I was like, we can each pick like one or two things that we highlighted, having not cracked the book open in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. And so I went through and I was like, what are a couple of the things I highlighted? Literal. Page, page after page. A, it was a yellow book. Highlighted. It was green because that's a... <laughs> a green book. It's my power yeah, color. Yeah, 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 And powerfully showed me what a shit show everything yeah. was. But I was just like, oh my gosh. I'm like, well, can't take that route. Mm-hmm. I can read the things that I, I'm not. That's a shorter list.
1: But when Suze and I both... kind, we of, When we kind of separated to go to each other's corners to figure out our shit and what, what a relationship together even looks like... Codependent no more was kind of the first textbook yeah. and both having powerful moments with it, very shame inducing moments too, but realizing that like much like reading in the Enneagram book, like, Oh, like this is hurting or this is like touching a nerve because it's true. And that's the stuff that needs to be paid the most Mm -hmm. attention to and needs to be unpacked and meditated on and journaled through and, and whatever, in whatever way that you unpack thing, uh, mental health things. Um, and then coming back together and discussing those things, one hundred percent every time we talked after uh and during that period where where we were taking a lot of time separate, it's it started with apologies. Yeah. Because we realized the things that we were doing yeah. that this book, this thirty year old book, uh,
0: there are some extremely specific behaviors yeah. that and it was so interesting because you know that thing where you have a feeling and you can't quite articulate it and someone else articulates it and you're like, yes, that. And it was mm-hmm. like that, but the horrible version of that where every these things that you're doing that maybe you don't even realize you're doing or you're doing in secret or you're like, you're doing it, but you'd never tell another soul you're doing this. And it's outlined in this book, like mm-hmm. in bullet points. And you're like, holy shit. So you feel seen. Not in a great way, but in a way where you're just like, oh, I'm not fooling it. I'm not fooling this chick. This chick's got yeah. like every freaking one of my numbers. No joke. And so, but it's also very good to have verbiage and to have it just be told like, I know you're doing this. Like here are a bunch of things you're probably doing. And I'm like, yep. And she's like, here's how to stop doing that. Yeah. And it is so powerful. Once you get past the shame part of it, of like, yeah, I'm doing 48 of these yeah. 50 things. Um to then figure out ways to undo that. You have to look at it before you can undo it. Yeah, it's true.
1: Think of it as, as any of these books that we talk about, especially if you're feeling like, Oh man, I feel like codependency might be like the thing that everything, all my relationships are, are steeped in really look at this book, uh, codependency no more or codependent no more Mm -hmm. as, as like somebody handing you a toolbox. And before you get to the tool part, you have to read a manual about how you've been using it wrong. And and then how to actually use it right. And then you take that tool out and then you have the knowledge mm. of it. And you have to and if know that if you feel that shame and embarrassment, you're doing it right and keep going. Because yeah. because you'll feel behind that is empowerment. Yes. And if you're doing it the right way and, and implementing these practices, there is light at the end of this tunnel. And trust me, there was a there was a point where I was like, I think this is just how I am. I mean, how many times have, have we use the word "broken." Like this sure, is just yeah. it, I guess. Um, it's not just it. Like there's hope, and I, I I, yep. I, I hope that this podcast is is a little bit of a beacon. At least we can shine the light on things that have helped us along the way.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but uh, as we wrap up here, though,
0: did yeah. you have any closing? Well, I was going to say I don't know if we got off track or not. But what I would love to do is for next time, mm. I would love to to put out there to listeners what you're doing in isolation with your family to do or you know whoever you're isolating with whoever you're with what kinds of things you're doing in regards to these things so how are you asserting yourself like right now yeah how are you asking for what you need right now how like how are you guys doing in isolation what do your relationships look like how are you communicating with each other um what did you want to say
1: yeah, uh, and I want people to write those things into us mm-hmm. too. Like, let us let us know. We want to. uh And is that where you were going with this? Yeah. Okay. Is that what the? Yeah, you want ahead. people to ask this question to themselves, or did you want them? To uh, ask them no, to I, I, I would like to know what these. people because
0: I'm wanting to know if people have practical ideas that we yeah. don't have. Yeah. 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 So like, we're like not the, we're doing. not
1: the end all be all of this no. stuff. So please, <laughs> if if you if you're doing this work as well, yeah, like answer. Uh send us the the answers to those questions. Um shipwreckpod at uh gmail.com or you can DM us on, on Instagram uh at shipwreck podcast or send us a voicemail. Uh we haven't gotten one yet. But speakpipe.com slash shipwreck podcast and you can literally click record and then send within a couple clicks of a button. Um but yeah, I'm I'm super curious if this if you have if you're listening to this and you're like, oh yes, I have a thing for that. Oh yes, I have a thing for that. Um We'd love to hear them. Yep. Yeah, send it to us. All right, guys, we're gonna we're gonna pick up this conversation next week with more uh, COVID codependency talk, or um, some people say it COVID pendency talk.
0: Not, I'm not doing it. I'm not gonna meet you there. That's where I'm <laughs> placing my boundary. All
1: right, fine. You're missing out because it's super fun. All right, okay, guys. Okay. Bye. Bye.